Good afternoon, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, Glendalee Allen-Vosser chats about Russia's war on the Ukraine and the impact that can have on the egg sector and the markets. Coming up first in today's country comments, we'll get a hog market update from Tyler Fulton with Hams Marketing. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program today is Tyler Fulton with Hams Marketing Services to give us an update on the hog markets, starting with forward contract prices. Forward markets have um, have seen kind of similar volatility as uh, as what a lot of other markets have been experiencing. Um, the influence of the of the invasion and in the Ukraine from Russia has really kind of thrown a lot of market factors up in the air, and there's just a ton of uncertainty associated with um, trade flows, um, less so related to, you know, meat protein, but, you know, more so related to uh, feed grains and and the impacts of um, hyperinflation and, and so on. So, what we've seen is forward prices really uh, come down about 5% or so over the course of the last um, week, and and that's obviously down um, pretty sharply uh, in, a, in a pretty short period of time. But um, the context was we were looking at, you know, we were trading at record high, well, near-term record highs, really the highest prices that we'd seen in, in about two years or so on the forward forward market. So... Things are still okay, but there's a ton of pressure coming on the on the feed grain side that uh, producers are going to have to manage. Looking at uh, cash prices, what are we seeing there? Yeah, again, some uncertainty there. Um, I think the one of the driving factors of the market is just the degree to which the supply has shrunk in in the U.S. Um, compared to last year. Our year to date. Um, hog slaughter in the in the United States is down uh, about eight percent, which is a very large number. Um, in particular, for you know, for the first quarter of uh, of two thousand and twenty two. Um, so we're we're thinking that there's you know there's a lot of disease losses um, that have kind of shrunk the the herd um, beyond what expectations were. And then earlier in the in the uh, in the year and in, in throughout much of January, we were seeing some pretty significant reductions in throughput of hog hog processing facilities um, due to the Omicron variant and its impact on the on the workforce. So the combination of those two feed factors um, have really kind of uh, tightened up the, the the pork supply and. Um, and that's had a you know a pretty significant effect on cash markets. Sometimes positive with respect to um, you know just an overall tighter supply, but on the other hand, uh, when there's a reduction in processing capacity, then obviously packer demand drops because they don't have the capacity to really run those live hogs through their facilities. So. A lot of uncertainty, kind of a lot of volatility on that market as well, um, but still generally on the high end of of uh, you know where we've where we've seen market ranges over the course of the last year. Talk a little bit more about China and you know just what's what's been happening there. 
Yeah, China's still, um, you know, it, it, we've moderated kind of some of the impact of, you know, of Chinese, uh, of the Chinese market from the North American pork market. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that they really, um, they really started to expand and modernize their production. Um, they're still experiencing um, effects you know, long-term effects of African swine um, fever. And and um, and I think that that's, you know, going to be a feature over the course of the next, you know, several years. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's not having the major impact on the market um, that it did, you know, when it, when it first came to be. Um, because we're not seeing the same volumes move from North America into China. They're, they've found ways to mitigate um, some of the effects of it in their production systems and then also find other sources. Um, but, you know, the, the disruption in Russia and, um, and in Ukraine on the EU production due to, you know, due to the, the risk of... Uh, you know, higher feed grain prices, that could throw another wrench into their, you know, into them sourcing pork from that part of the country, which, which could in turn lead them back to North America. But um, there's a ton of moving parts in this market right now, and it's difficult to kind of pin down exactly where, where things are going to go. That was Tyler Fulton with Ham's Marketing Services giving us an update today here on the hog markets. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Knute. The war between Russia and the Ukraine is a growing concern. Saskatchewan's Agriculture Minister David Merritt says the Ukraine is a key player in the agriculture sector. Ukraine obviously is a big exporter of you know wheat and barley and uh, and other grains as well, and uh, it could have an impact on the industry to the tune of 10 or 15 million metric tons. Uh, you know, in that time frame, and then obviously it will become an issue is where those companies were, 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 where they were getting that supply, where are they going to get it from? Then obviously there'd be transportation logistics, there's obviously going to be costs, and what's it going to do to the markets? Work continues on a Canada-United Kingdom free trade agreement. Dennis Laycraft, Executive Vice President for the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, says we've had a transitional agreement with the UK since Brexit occurred. We have quite a few problems with how difficult the procedures are there. The flip side is the CPTPP, which came into force a couple of years ago. And, you know, we've had just tremendous growth in markets where there's a more science-based approach to the requirements. You get systems approval instead of plant-by-plant approval. Just a whole range of things like that. He notes the UK market holds a lot of potential. In the last couple of years, Canadian beef exports to the UK have gone from 17.7 million in 2020 to 7.6 million in 2021. And Canada's farm show is back for 2022. President and CEO Tim Reid says they're excited to be back with an in-person event. June 21st to 23rd, we're going to be celebrating the 44th year of Canada's farm show right here in Regina, Saskatchewan, and we are so thrilled to be Talking about coming back together and having an in-person farm show. We've waited a long time for year number 44, and it's going to be great. 
He says they changed to a Tuesday to Thursday format based on exhibitor feedback with the show geared towards farmers, manufacturers, and dealers. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, February 28th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Wasser chats about Russia's war on the Ukraine and the impact that can have on the agriculture sector and the markets. Today, Glenda Lee Allen Wasser chats about Russia's war on the Ukraine and the impact on the agriculture sector and the markets. She talked with Neil Townsend, Chief Market Analyst for FarmLink Grain Fox. Neil, uh, of course, what we want to focus in on is the situation, the war with Russia and the Ukraine and the impact that is having on the markets. Can you take us through that? Yeah, I mean, I think we really need to focus on two words, uncertainty and volatility. And I think, you know, the situation is, is something that we haven't really dealt with in many years where a major uh, source of wheat and and corn and oil seeds is being invaded by another major source of wheat, corn, <laughs> grains, you know, and oil seeds, like both big agricultural exporters. Um, I don't have a prediction on what's happening. I'm not an expert in geopolitical things, but it's a terrible, terrible situation. And I mean, I think first and foremost, we really have to say for the Ukrainian people that, you know, our hearts and minds are with them. And this is something that we just would hope ends as peacefully as possible, as soon as possible. In terms of the grains and oil seeds markets, it's going to be extremely disruptive. We saw, you know, major upswing in the futures markets on Thursday, then a major downswing on Friday and a major upswing today. I don't know who's trading the futures. I don't know why they're trading the futures in this manner. I mean, uh, to me, there's nothing that says certainty in the markets. We just don't know what they're going to be able to export over the last remaining months of this marketing year. We don't know what the situation is going to be for the next marketing year. And I think from a Canadian perspective, that really means that, you know, any grains and oil seeds that we have that are unpriced have the potential to be much more valuable. I mean, unfortunately, we need to take uh, advantage of such a catastrophe, but I mean, that's the reality. Um, and I, And I think that, the only thing people really need to realize is that it's going to be marketing under extreme conditions of uncertainty and volatility. So, you know, a price one day might be there, might be not there the next day, might be out of the market for a while, might be back into the market. Uh, we just don't know. Talk to us about the importance of of that region, uh, the Black Sea region, the ports in the Ukraine, of course, closed. Yes, I mean... Both countries are major suppliers of wheat uh, and also critical. Ukraine is a critical supplier of corn. And they're also the key markets for, uh, you know, the oil seed balance sheet, most, most, you know, specifically sunflower and sunflower oil. But also uh, Ukraine is a critical supply of rapeseed, which is canola. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know what the status of all the ports are. We don't know what the status of the of the you know and i'm i'm saying forward we don't know when they open uh of course both countries have their winter wheat crops in the ground right now um you know i'm not particularly worried that you know it's it's the crop isn't going anywhere but what about the people who have to tend it what about the people who have to harvest it what if you know where are they what are they doing what about the supplies of inputs to to do the farming you know like are they going to be able to move around a country which is getting battered by, you know, missiles and rockets and all that kind of thing? 
you know, we haven't, the world hasn't sanctioned uh, Russian exports, but if the war continues, if it gets more brutal, if there's the use of weapons that we don't really agree with, does that mean that we're, you know, going to start to say that we don't want Russian wheat to flow out of the Black Sea? Uh, yeah, they're they're very critical, very critical to the world supply and demand balance, and they're very critical to the world's food supply and food security in an era where we're already seeing rampant inflation in that sector and a lot of people being pushed into a food precarious place because of higher costs. It's such a scary situation, and we really feel for what's happening over there. Another thing that I want to chat with you about is the fact that, of course, we're seeing sanctions against Russia. Russia, a major potash and phosphate exporter. Yes, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm of course not an expert in fertilizers, uh, but I would say this: yes, they're a major component of that market. And, uh, you know, they had already put on some restrictions for some exports earlier, uh, commenting that, you know, they wanted to ensure the supply for their own countries. This was predating the actual invasion. And, uh, you know, people in Brazil were already a little bit concerned, not so much about this year's cycle, but about next year's cycle, because, you know, they've been under some stress with bad weather and bad crop production results so far in their first crop, corn. And, you know, it, their crop already, that the one that they'll produce in 2023 is already a critical world crop to, you know, ensure that the fundamentals of supply and demand can remain balanced. And so they're already getting concerned about, you know, having access to fertilizer from Russia. Yeah, it's going to be amazingly disruptive. And I think that's one thing that, you know, Canadian farmers need to be aware of is that, you know, looking ahead to 22, 23, we see a lot of really good prices. And obviously the farmers already know this, but you know, inputs are going up and we really don't know where they might reach both on like, say the diesel side, but, you know, including the fertilizers and even the chemicals and other inputs, because this is going to be quite disruptive and throwing already rampant inflation. And, you know, we've got a recipe for some uh, significant uh, increases in the costs of producing. So, you know, we see some higher prices right now that look very profitable, but uh, they could get eroded by, um, by higher prices and then a higher cost. And then the other thing I'd be concerned about is availability. We've already seen the supply chain under some strain this year uh, to get us, uh, you know, certain fertilizers or chemicals or seeds or whatever, or even, you know, our product to the place that it needs to go on time. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't look like this situation is going to alleviate that in any way, shape or form. Overall, final thoughts, key message for producers today. Well, I mean, first and foremost, we would like the hostilities to end immediately and a peaceful resolution in Ukraine to, you know, maintain its uh, sovereign sovereignty and democracy. Uh, the second thing I'd say is that, you know, expect to see a continuation of uncertainty and volatility. I think it's a very, very unpredictable situation. And, you know, anytime people have tried to make predictions about what's happening, like, oh, he couldn't do this or he couldn't do that, like Putin seems to surprise and he seems to surprise to the negative side of the equation. Um, so I, I just don't know, but I mean, I think if you feel like, uh, you're worried about, you know, things changing dramatically up or down, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with taking some risk off the table too, and just, you know, making a sale or making something so that, you know, you can go about your business. That's Neil Townsend, the chief market analyst with FarmLink Grain Fox. 
for last, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. WLB Farmgate Online Cementel Bull Sale is happening March 6th. View bull sale catalog videos and register to bid online at farmgatetimedauctions.ca. Bulls can also be viewed on your farm at your convenience. For more information, call Bill at 204-729-7925. Farm Credit Canada presents the Women Entrepreneur Summit in a virtual setting March 8th. Visit the FCC website for details. And Marmac Farms and Guest Bull Sale is scheduled for March 9th at the farm near Brandon. Sale gets underway at 1 p.m. Visit marmacfarms.net for details. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, the National Farmers Union held one of its NF University webinars last week. Nathan Gerlis, Manager of National Affairs with the Canadian Grain Commission, gave a presentation. We typically see somewhere between 10,000 and 15,000 samples come in uh, over the course of a year. Um, you know, uh, a good chunk of them are in cereals, uh, wheat primarily, um, but we do get them from across the country and across the, the oilseed and pulse range uh, as well. Uh, we were down a little bit in 2021. Uh, we don't really know why, but we suspect it probably had to do a little bit with COVID and a little bit to do with the drought. And also, relatively speaking, it was a high quality year in Western Canada, and we tend to see um, perhaps when quality is a little lower or more on the borderline producers may be looking for more information to guide their uh, marketing decisions as opposed to a high uh, a high quality uh, year. We use that data generated from the um, harvest sample for a number of things. I've referred to the support of the grading grading system and grain safety monitoring, et cetera. But uh, that, that uh, projecting to the world what the Canadian quality looks like uh, feeds into uh, missions uh, that the Canadian Grain Commission uh, supports. Um, the highest profile, or one of the highest profile anyways, would be the new crop missions that we uh, participate alongside Cereals Canada with. Historically, it, it involved uh, the CGC along with representatives from industry, Cereals Canada, uh, the Canadian International Grains Institute, and producers traveling around the world. The last few years, those have been moved for obvious reasons to a virtual environment. We also host um, uh, visits from buyers and, and other stakeholders around the world. And it's not just a wheat thing, of course. We, we provide support to uh, other commodity associations as they reach out to us uh, in that regard. Switching gears a little bit over to the, the Safeguards for Grain Farmers uh, program. Uh, certainly one that I can tell you based on my experience at the Grain Commission is, is very near and dear to the hearts of uh, com uh, producer appointed commissioners who serve uh, at the Canadian Grain Commission. This is really you know, our licensing and security uh, programming. So uh, under the Canada Grain Act and within you know, certain guidance and certain um, uh, specifications, uh, companies must be licensed by the Canadian Grain Commission if they are purchasing directly from producers. There are three classes, four classes of license, pardon me, terminal elevators. You know, these are the ones at port, primary elevators, your, your standard country elevator, process elevators. These are your flour mills, canola crushing plants, the likes. And fourthly, a grain dealer. And a grain dealer generally is, an, is a company that purchases grain without physical infrastructure and would use 
some other company's physical infrastructure, but does incur the liability themselves to a producer. Some of the requirements of those companies is to provide financial security to the CGC that can be drawn upon in the case of either a failure or an inability to pay for their liabilities. Um, key to that is the issuance of proper documentation for producers to rely upon in those unfortunate circumstances, a requirement to maintain equipment in good order. And, and it's, our licensing system is also the basis upon which we are able to deliver our statistical programs, which I'll speak to in just a minute. Um, our licensing unit uh, is comprised of licensing officers who kind of handle the administrative nature of that. We have a, a talented team of auditors, financial auditors uh, with you know, financial designations who can understand how to uh, you know, interpret the, the, the accounting systems of the, the, the companies and compliance officers who uh, will deal with complaints and, and help companies with, uh, with their compliance. That was Nathan Gerlis, Manager of National Affairs with the Canadian Grain Commission. He took part in a webinar hosted last week by the National Farmers Union. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Organizers for Canada's Farm Show are busy preparing for this year's show, June 21st to the 23rd at Regina's Evraz Place. President and CEO Tim Reed says everyone is excited to be back with an in-person event. What we have seen is virtually all the exhibitors that you would have seen in 2019 uh, or 2018, 2019 have made the decision to come back. We're seeing strong, exceptionally strong renewals. One of the learnings, though, that we took from the pandemic was the ability that we have to connect in a virtual environment from Regina, Saskatchewan to the rest of the globe. He says they realize some of the international visitors may not be able to attend in person and as a result have also decided to have some virtual content available as well. And the Canadian Cattlemen's Association is pleased to see progression on a future Canada-United Kingdom free trade agreement. Executive Vice President Dennis Laycraft says the UK is one of our highest value markets. When we get into that market, we see you know a very good demand for our high-quality grain-fed beef. Um, and... We've seen, you know, some challenges getting in there because of some of the carryover of uh, the difficult procedures that the EU had set up. And, you know, if we get those resolved, we think it could be a really good growth market for us. Canadian beef exports to the UK in 2021 were at $7.6 million. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.